This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Partly sunny today, high near 56. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 41. Partly sunny Tuesday, high near 59. Police have arrested a suspect after he allegedly attacked a person when he was ordered to leave an Endicott property. The incident was reported around 9.40 p.m. Thursday at 11 North Liberty Avenue. According to Endicott Police, Kyron Milner of Connecticut was in the backyard of a residence when he was confronted by a woman who told him to leave. Milner is said to have refused several directives to get off the property. Investigators said he grabbed the woman by the arm when she tried to remove his personal items from the backyard. Milner allegedly advised the resident he had a knife. The woman's 19-year-old son then became aware of the dispute and tried to defend his mother. Milner is accused of using a makeshift knife to cut the other man on the arm during the scuffle. The son was treated at Lord's Hospital in Binghamton and released. Milner was charged with second-degree assault and second-degree menacing. He also faces counts of criminal possession of a weapon, obstructing governmental administration and trespass. He was arraigned and ordered held at the Broome County Jail without bail. Customers of Rite Aid pharmacy stores in uh, Broome County are preparing for the possible closure of the stores. The Philadelphia-based Rite Aid Corporation has been dealing with serious financial issues and has been discussing a potential bankruptcy plan with its creditors. The Wall Street Journal reported Rite Aid was considering closing up to 500 stores with an eye towards selling them or allowing creditors to take over the operations. According to the Rite Aid website, the company now has 241 stores across New York State. It has locations on Conklin Avenue and Binghamton's south side and on Hooper Road in Endwell. Employees at the Broome County stores say they are waiting to learn the fate of their locations, but they say they believe it's likely the local stores soon will be closed. Walgreens acquired about 1,900 Rite Aid stores in 2018, including several in Broome and Tioga counties. Since then, Rite Aid has been in the process of shutting down underperforming stores. A store at a Vestal Parkway shopping center was evacuated after police received reports that people spotted a person bleeding from the neck. Vestal police said patrol units were sent to the Town Square Mall shortly after 6 p.m. Friday. The first officer on the scene found an injured man in front of the Burlington Department Store. Police said the man was bleeding from his neck and other areas of the body. He would not talk with the officer but walked into the store. The officer noticed the man was holding a razor blade. The store was evacuated as a precaution and police began to talk with the injured man. After more than three hours of negotiations, the man agreed to put down the razor blade and be evaluated by medics. He was then taken to a hospital for treatment. Police said the man appeared to have been experiencing a mental health crisis. He requested to speak to a counselor who was called to the scene to assist officers. Authorities said the 47-year-old Binghamton man's injuries were not believed to be life-threatening. Three police, special police officers who were involved in the conversation with the man are state-certified crisis negotiators. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul announced on October 6th $6.7 million in funding had been secured to create 52 affordable rental apartments for five New York State areas in four cities, including Syracuse, Rochester, Wilmington, and Binghamton. 
The awards are provided through the New York State Homes and Community Renewals Small Rental Development Initiative, providing, providing the awards. The SRD supports the creation and preservation of multifamily rental developments with 5 to 20 apartments. Specifically for the Binghamton area, $784,000 will be allocated for new construction of 12 homes in two six-unit buildings on Munsell Street. The New York State Governor's Office notes that all apartments will be affordable to households earning 80% or less of the area median income. The Small Rental Development Initiative funds were awarded to not-for-profit organizations that own, develop, and manage small rental development housing. After a three-day trial, a Broome County jury found Orlando Torres of Binghamton guilty of two counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree for possessing over one-half pound of fentanyl with the intent to sell, as well as one count of criminal possession of drug paraphernalia in the second degree. On August 11, 2022, the Broome County Special Investigations Task Unit Force executed a search warrant on an apartment at 65 Schubert Street in the city of Binghamton. Inside the apartment, police located Orlando Torres. The search resulted in the recovery of knotted wraps containing approximately 20 grams of fentanyl, a large amount of cash, as well as a digital scale. Torres, who has four prior felony narcotics convictions, convictions, faces up to 12 years in New York State prison when he is sentenced on November 6th. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Bob Joseph. Binghamton Now, Monday, October 9th, 2023. Phone lines are now open at 607-772-1290. Like to hear from you? All callers are welcome. Across the USA and around the world. Again, the only number you need is 
get this program underway as we start a brand new week filled with promise and opportunity. And let us know what you think about everything. We encourage you to participate. Remember, the program works better with more participants. So if you have thoughts, by all means, share them. Share them with us here at WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And streaming at WNBF.com. Well, <laughs> summer is over. Our extended week of summer, which we were able to enjoy last week, has come to an end. And now, I guess, time for donuts and candy apples and cider and parades. We'd be going to the parade. Uh, sadly, I don't believe I'm allowed to go to the parade because of uh, a commitment here at the station to be on the air. So if you go to the parade, you can certainly call in, give us updates from along the parade route. Maybe you're listening. I wouldn't be surprised some people are listening as they uh, head to the... Uh, West side get set for a parade. I saw some units that I believe will be in the parade. I think a, a fire truck from Shenango Bridge, Shenango Bridge, is heading, I think, toward a staging area. So if you're getting staged for the parade and looking forward to the festivities that go with the annual event, you can feel free to call in. Let us know what it's like to be in a parade. Let's take a call now. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. I, I was John from Binghamton. I was just checking to see if you were open today. No, we uh, pre-record. It would be uh, it'd be too much trouble for us to actually do a live program on Monday. Well, so this is recorded ahead of time. That's why we're not going to make any references to any current or breaking news. So I apologize in advance for people who usually like to hear about events as they happen. But sadly, the program was recorded in advance for the host's convenience. So he could sit around all day Monday drinking coffee and eating leftover donuts. Well... Bob, uh, I'd like to talk again about the battery hub, since this is uh, so many millions of dollars of our taxpayer money is at stake. And again, the last thing we need is another billion-dollar bankruptcy here in the area in the name of economic development gone bad. Uh, I found out a couple of uh, things. I've looked over the federal labor standards claim lawsuit in federal court against IM3 New York, and the allegations are unbelievable, unbelievable. and it's interesting 
that Magnus or uh, IM3 and the principals and the executive at Magnus did file a notice of counterclaim, which now they've dropped. So apparently they have given up on the legal uh, validity of their counterclaim and the lawsuit will continue. Uh, stunning allegations about fraud and misstatements by a gentleman who was a rainmaker. He was hired as a rainmaker, a, a financier to uh, attract capital uh, to IM3 and Magnus, and he was never paid. He was promised stock options. He's from Connecticut, so he has no local connection. Yeah, I think I remember talking to that guy a few times before he... Yeah. So he say, was no longer affiliated with the operation. By the way, just to um, make it actually perfectly clear, I was joking about pre-recording the program. We don't pre-record yeah. programs, yeah. and this is uh, live at nine seventeen Eastern and four seventeen in the Middle East. Four seventeen p.m. in the Middle East. Uh, continue. I just wanted to clarify yeah. that. We're yeah. So, so that, that that's very interesting. That. Uh, you know, uh, as far as this this complaint and this person, uh, he is uh, alleging fraud. Uh, not all, not just uh, about the non-payment of the stock options, but generally speaking. Uh, so that's a, a cause for concern. And the next thing that I found out, of course, Stanley Whittingham was on the board of this Australian penny stock, Magnus Energy, which owns seventy-two percent of IM3. Uh, he is no longer on the board of that company, but I find this very interesting that on, in June, uh, he was elected uh, selling that Nobel Prize luster to another penny stock, lithium battery company. This one, this one, a publicly traded penny stock in the U.S., a U.S. company located in Houston called Microvast. Uh, they're headed by a uh, uh, an Asian gentleman. They've been in business for 17 years. Uh, they have manufactured plants, I guess, in China, Germany. And they seem to be engaged in the same general lithium-ion battery business that IM3 New York is. So I think that might be a little bit of a tell uh, that uh, Stanley Whittingham has moved on to to another lithium-ion battery company. Well, maybe maybe behind the scenes there could be an effort to align the proposed battery hub in Endicott and Broome County with the people in Stafford, Texas. Maybe, they'll well, make, maybe they would make a big announcement. I'm looking now. I, I had not heard of micro-vast holdings, but... Um, you're right, founded in 2006 in Houston uh, by Yang Wu, along with its Chinese subsidiary, MicroVast Power Systems. So it introduced its first generation of batteries in 2009, and their manufacturing began in the Huzhou factory in 2010. So is it, in your view, is, is there any possibility of some sort of uh, alignment or collaboration between IM3 New York and MicroVast? I mean, given 
what we understand to be, I'll call them challenges faced by our friends in Australia. Is it, do you think that there is, um, this could potentially be a plan B or plan C? Uh, certainly. And, uh, the microvast company has canceled plans to build a factory in Kentucky. They have one in Tennessee. I see that. So, uh, you know, the timing of this with Stanley Whittingham uh, becoming a board member uh, certainly is curious. And, uh, you know, uh, supposedly, and this is another interesting thing, on the 19th, there is going to be a tour of IM3 Gigafactory. And you should uh, sign up for that. Well, there's another problem. Twelve days before uh, this is to take place, this is even to take place, uh, registrations were no longer being accepted. Uh, so, but I do have a letter uh from an Australian shareholder, uh, and he sent this letter to IM3 uh, that uh, would allow me to be his representative on October 19th for that plant tour. So uh, he's a young man, uh, and a lot of he's uh, a lot of people have lost their life savings in Magnus Energy so far, and they can't even get out now because it's not being traded. So he has empowered me to, to be his representative here. So you know the deal. What's going to happen is uh, I'm not going to be allowed in, and uh, we'll take it from there, I guess. Well, I guess the reasoning likely would be it's a private enterprise and private property. But I will well, say because of... The fact that uh, an extraordinary amount of government funding is going toward this seems to me that a representative of our community would be permitted to go on a tour. Well, especially one that has at least a little bit of knowledge about what they're doing. Well, and that's the thing. You, you may not have the same level of technical expertise that the researchers at Binghamton University and elsewhere have as they work on on the future of lithium-ion batteries and other power sources, but you have you have a significant uh, understanding of some, some of the basics, both on the energy side and also some of the issues surrounding financing of startup operations. You've been following the world of business for quite a while now, so you, you've you seen the good and the bad. Oh, and, and I think last year I had five shares in five bankrupt companies, so, you know. <laughs> well, you do know how to pick them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you ought to get one of those um, shows like the, the kid has there on CNBC. I can't think of his name, but you know, the guy who's brash and... Uh, he has, well, he's quite the character, but I don't know that he necessarily offers uh, great insights for amateur investors. But he sure he sure plays a character on CNBC. You well, ought to you ought to get a show like that. I I I venture to say this is going out on a bit of a limb, but I venture to say that 
if you made recommendations, say if they gave you a three-month trial run versus the guy who's loud and quite the character on CNBC, um, so he has his show and then you have a, a little show, like a 10-minute show after his, I bet, I bet that you, you would probably offer sounder advice than he would over, say, a 90-day period. Well, someone started an ETF, which is like a mutual fund, that essentially bets against his picks. Uh, that maybe a couple of months ago, that 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 uh, fund was started. I did so. hear about that. I believe yeah. I heard about. It. By the way, uh, a listener just wrote this. Uh, Alan from Binghamton wrote, "Can you get a company rep on your show? Investigative story." Thanks, Alan from Binghamton. And you know, I'm one step ahead of you. I put in a request. To uh, Shelley Shupretti at twelve twenty six on Friday afternoon. So as soon as soon as I hear back from him, I'll invite him on the show. He's been on before, so I would think that uh, at this particular point in time, he would probably be interested in coming back on the show to give an update as we look forward to the enterprise and uh, moving well, forward. You know, we're looking. In my view, John, I'm looking forward with enthusiasm to the next five or ten years for that project. Well, uh, another interesting part of that fair labor complaint is it uh, states, the complainant states that the re reason that IM3 New York was having trouble uh, uh, finding engineers is uh, that they... Uh, all wanted stock options, and uh, you know. So, I mean, in other words, what I'm saying is, it's just uh, it's often painted as, oh, well, we need luxury apartments to attract people, or we need a zoo, or uh, an opera, or or a baseball <laughs> team, uh, or a golf but, tournament. Yeah, but that that is, if you read this complaint, that that isn't the problem that IM3 is having in attracting. <laughs> Hmm. Engineers. All right. Well, so, we'll see what happens. I uh, I'm anxious to hear what, about the the big announcements that uh, will be made in the next few days. Well, to me, it's odd that there's uh, three major, two financial uh, newspapers and the big Australian newspaper that this could be front page news here uh, or there, and not. Any concern whatsoever, uh, you know, I mean, these 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 stories in the last few days coming out of Australia indicate, you know, the, the viability of this company. Uh, and, you know, nothing. Not, I mean, do these uh, these people that <clears throat> that throw this money around, do they do any due diligence? Are they concerned about this? I think they should be. Well, we'll see what happens. Appreciate the call and uh, look forward to offering the latest information, the facts as they emerge, and representatives of the company. Well, IM3 New York, Magnus Energy Technologies, along with some of their biggest supporters, and I don't need to name all of the names, but everybody is welcome on this program. If you have any part in developing the battery hub in Broome County, 
consider yourself officially invited because we want more information. We're looking forward to the next era where Endicott rises like a phoenix. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. Truly live, truly local. Whatever I mentioned before about recording the program ahead of time for my convenience was designed for entertainment purposes. Yes, it would be convenient for me to take a Monday off so I can enjoy the parade like everyone else. On the other hand, I'm committed to uh, the program and also committed to reporting right here. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre-owned at GaltAuto.com. at WNBF. Your love give me such a thrill But your love don't pay my bills I need Now, we return to the phones. Dave and Vestal, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning, sir. Hey, um, you know, getting back to our, uh, the, the speakership problem now we have with the house. We were talking about that last week, and uh, you had a caller disagree with me saying that why should any of the Democrats vote to keep McCarthy in? Now, you know, there was information. This guy released a statement, Bob, and Michael Bloomberg, I don't know what you think of him, but, you know, he, he blames both parties for not reaching across the aisle to save the country from the mess. He, he says he strongly supported Democrat efforts to win the House, and he disagrees with McCarthy on virtually every issue. But he was willing to stand up to take the party's right-wing extremists and take the heat. And minority leader Hakeem Jeffries should have been willing to, you know, to take the same risk to save McCarthy's job. His failure to do so allowed Democrats to feel good in the moment, but raised the prospect of a speaker who will likely be to McCarthy's right. That's exactly what I was saying last week, Bob. And you have to agree, the Democrats have shot themselves in the foot. They've helped create this mess. You can't put it all on the Republicans, sure. There was, I think it's a gang of eight. There's like eight of them that are, you know... They are farther right than most of the the other Republicans in the House, Bob. And they're the ones that caused the mess 
along with the Democrats. So let's put some blame on the Democrats. Would you agree with me? Well, I think the Democrats are doing the best they can with a very, very messy situation that was handed to them by the grand old party. And um, it's, it's one of those cases, say, after a house party, say, on a Saturday night where you expected maybe eight or ten people to show up for some reason, probably because of social media, you wound up with maybe a 100 or 200 places. So you wake up around 5 o'clock Sunday morning, and there are red plastic cups all over the place. And, well, you know the scene. So then everybody is expecting you to clean up the dump. I mean, the place was pristine at 6 p.m. Saturday, and then less than 12 hours later, you've got a horrific mess on your hands, and people expect you to be a miracle worker to have the place in shape by the time your in-laws get there at 2 in the afternoon. So... It's. Uh, I think that's what the Democrats face. You know, it's a mess not of their making. Uh, for some reason, some Republicans and others think it's their responsibility to uh, be the adults. You know, call whatever it is you have to call to hose the place down and disinfect and mop up and try to try to get things right again. And unfortunately, it's not. It's not quite that simple. Hakeem Jeffries, to his credit is a very well-educated leader of Congress, having graduated from Binghamton University. But even with all the life skills he learned here in Binghamton, particularly on State Street, he hasn't, he hasn't been fully equipped to, um, to really clean up this mess on his own. You know, Hakeem Jeffries will need help from Republicans. The more sensible Republicans who want to give Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats a hand... I'm sure he'll he'll gladly accept the help if they want to clean and disinfect the mess after the horrific party last week. Bob, even even uh, intelligent people make false statements. He, he says Democrats, we're about the people, not about politics. Well, that's not a true statement because keeping McCarthy in helped the people because he worked with the Democrats, and you admitted that last week. So how is that for the people? That's a blatant lie. Correct? No. I'll tell you what uh, what what needs to be done is, is for the Republicans indeed. Not just one or two Republicans or six Republicans in the House. The majority of Republicans need to start working with Democrats to clean up the overall mess that started on January 20th, 2017. You know, we still haven't fully recovered from the mess that was made by a Queens real estate developer. You know, why, even now, I marvel that the American people would have turned over the keys to 1600 to a guy who had a not so pristine record as one of the best known real estate developers in New York City. It boggles the mind that we would put him in charge. Bob, you're still not going to admit that the Democrats are partly to blame for this mess. You're not going to admit that they're they're putting they're putting the people in the house in a precarious situation because they would not keep McCarthy because. He worked with them. They shot themselves in the foot. Can you admit 
that they did the wrong thing. You frame because these questions the as though it's as though I've done something wrong. I've done nothing no. wrong. Can I admit? No. It sounds like I'm being interviewed that I'm a person of interest. I won't admit a darn thing because I have done nothing wrong. If anything, over the last 12 years, I've been a voice of reason. I know that, Bob, but can, can you at least admit that they did not help themselves? Stop with these. I'm going to ask you once and for all, going forward with future calls. Don't ask me to admit anything. My attorney has specifically said, she has said on the air or off the air, don't admit to anything. So no, I won't admit to anything. And going forward, I really would ask you not to frame questions that way because I'll never admit to it. Okay, uh, let's put it this way. But are you of the opinion that the Democrats hurt themselves? By not keeping McCarthy in. No, I am not. <laughs> That's all you had to say before, too, Bob. But you Just framed no. it. You framed it as though I was going to admit something, and I don't want that to show up on page seventeen of a future indictment. No, I admit to nothing. I've done nothing wrong, nothing to be ashamed of. Everything in my public and private records suggest I should be proud of everything I've done over the last several decades. So I stand well, on my record. I think my record speaks for itself. Yeah, and so does the Democrats. Their record speaks but for itself. But again, you're but. trying to tie me in with the Democrats. I have nothing to do with the Democrats or the Republicans or any political party. So, you know, this, this false equivalency. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I am an American. I'm here solely to bring out the very best in a really terrific country. Okay, Bob. Um, <laughs> but it's so obvious. Anyone that argues against the obvious, what are we supposed to think of them? I don't know. I'm not arguing, so you must think highly of me. But if anybody wants to argue... A different point than your worldview. You you decide for yourself. You'll never get an argument from me. This isn't a worldview, Bob. It's just one point. Democrats hurt themselves by not voting to keep McCarthy in. That is a fact, and I don't I don't hear people admitting it. Even Bloomberg admits it. He he released that that statement, Bob. Bloomberg has nothing to do with it. Bloomberg is a former Republican who, at the last check, was enrolled in the Democratic Party. For all we know, he's going to re-enroll as a Republican in the next couple of weeks and become a Republican presidential candidate, for all we know. You know, just because he's a billionaire doesn't mean he is the all-knowing, all-wonderful Bloomberg Remember, this is the same person who wanted to ban your Slurpee. <laughs> or no, it wasn't a Slurpee. It was the Big Gulp. Whatever. He's the one who wanted to take away your right as an American to possess or at least purchase delicious, highly sweetened drinks in New York City. So you're defending him? Let, I'm just bringing out his statement because... Well, again... And again, he's entitled to his opinion. You make a statement from Michael Bloomberg, America's mayor, 
You make his statement of opinion sound like it's a fact. It's his opinion, and he's entitled to it, as are 8 billion other people on the planet entitled to their opinion. Let me ask you this, Bob. Did, have, did, did McCarthy work with the Democrats, yes or no? Yes. He did. Okay. Yes, uh, he did. There's no doubt that Kevin McCarthy worked with House Majority or House Minority Democrats for the short time that he was the speaker. And I commend him. Okay. You know, on, on the bright side, you know, let's let's be perfectly clear. Kevin McCarthy was not like that one guy, the House Speaker named Newt from Georgia. I mean, I'm not going to bring that up because we hear from Newt frequently on the award-winning talk show that is heard on WNBF from 3 to 6 p.m., Sean Hannity. I wouldn't be surprised if Newt Gingrich is on today's program. So I'm not going to excoriate Newt's record as Speaker of the House. So you agree that the, that he worked with the Democrats, but you don't agree that any of the Democrats should have voted to keep him in to help their cause? No, I don't think they should have. Kevin McCarthy essentially had little, if any, power. We saw, we saw over the last several months that he was perhaps the most powerless Speaker of the House in history, at least in in modern time. And it's sad. I feel badly for him. I'm not saying he didn't try, but remember, it took something like 500 or 800 votes before they finally approved him to be House Speaker, and it was only with the stipulation that at any given time, any member of the House Republican majority could call for a vote to kick him out as as the leader. So whether it was Matt Gates or um, Marjorie Taylor Greene or who is the one? Oh, Lauren Boebert. <laughs> I just love saying Lauren. Um, she, uh, and by the way, I do respect what she's done for Colorado. Um, I would say any member of Congress, any Republican at any given time could have called for the vote and unfortunately for Kevin McCarthy he probably would have been kicked out. So it just happened to be Matt Gates because of all the members of the House currently. He likes cameras even more than Charles Schumer Senate Majority <laughs> well, the Leader. That, you know, there, there are the two one, people in America who love TV cameras a whole lot and of course we're proud of Charles Schumer with his affinity for TV cameras. But then Matt Gates almost craves the the adulation that can only be obtained when you're in front of several, maybe dozens, of TV cameras. He, he, needed, he needed that many votes. They had to vote that many times just because of the same people that now had voted him out. He had the problem with that faction. Yeah, it's deeply the, disturbing. Deeply disturbing. Appreciate your call. Yeah, take care. Yeah, it's very troubling. What's going on in America over the last decade? It's 946. Bob Joseph serving as broadcasting's voice of reason. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Always available on the WNBF app.
WNBF with Bob Joseph live, living color. Mostly cloudy today, 56. Cloudy tonight, 41. Partly sunny tomorrow, 59. Right now in downtown Binghamton, officially, it's 48 Fahrenheit <laughs> and 9 Celsius at WNBF. Air quality seems lovely. It's a great day for a parade. Everybody in the parade, as well as the spectators, will enjoy some of the cleanest air we've witnessed in quite a while. Air quality index is 25. That's good. Very good. It's actually supposed to get better today. It'll drop down to 21 AQI. So high quality air for high quality people here at WNBF. It's parade day in America. Bob Joseph, WNBF 607-772-1290. We do this every weekday morning. From 9 to noon, then from noon to 3, it's Dan Bongino. Back to the phones we go. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Bob. It's Gary on the west side. Hello. Hello. So I, something's uh, been bothering me, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. It's just because uh, you know more about police uh, work than I do. Thank goodness that that... Uh, child that was kidnapped uh, was saved and found alive and all of that. But there was something that bothered me about what went on. From the way I read the story was that uh, there was the parents were at the park and the police or the state troopers, and this is I'm not trying to talk badly about police at all, but I'm just questioning. So they were there the morning that the gentleman drove up to the mailbox, put something in the mailbox, and drove away. And it happened to be uh, a note, a ransom note with his fingerprints on it. Thank goodness that he left his fingerprints on there. But so, Bob, my, my question was, why didn't the police stop that person? Who pulls up to somebody's mailbox that was you know, where the child was just abducted, put something in the mailbox routinely, right? No, it's not. At 4.20 in the morning. It's 4.20 a.m. Right, and then they drive away, and, and the police watch this, right? And and he takes off, and he's gone. Now, I, you know, I was speaking with other people trying to get an idea on what could have happened, and someone mentioned to me that, well, maybe they didn't want to go after him because if he was the one that did abduct her, then, you know, uh, he wouldn't tell where she's at, and then they're screwed. You know, but I, I was thinking also, like, don't we have drones and stuff for, like, this purpose? Couldn't they, you know, if they didn't want to follow him, I mean, shouldn't they have followed him at least in a vehicle? Or maybe if they didn't want it to be obvious, they could have had a drone there, which would, they'd have to think about this foresight, and then the drone could follow the person to wherever they were going. I mean, why do you think they didn't stop him when he put that in the mailbox? Well, 
That's a good question, and I'll talk a bit about that next hour. I've been waiting for somebody to bring this up. We don't have much time to talk about it now. If you want to call back after the news, I'll uh, at least share some thoughts, and if you want to um, continue a conversation when we have a little more time after 10 o'clock, I think this is uh, an important topic that, believe me, it's under investigation, but if you want to call back uh, after the news, we can talk about it some more because it's, uh, you will hear more about this. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. It's 953. Bob Joseph at News Radio WNBF. It happened in New York City. I remember it well. <laughs> That's as far as I can go, though. I do remember it well, and it, uh, it was nice. Great memories of New York City. Great memories. And some of those may, in fact, come out in... My future book. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you buy it. For insights into what's happened in Binghamton and elsewhere, including New York City. It could be a chapter. Things that have happened in New York City. More is happening on this Monday. Stay tuned. I'm Bob Joseph, live and local here on News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Partly sunny today, high near 56. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 41. Partly sunny Tuesday, high near 59. Police have arrested a suspect after he allegedly attacked a person when he was ordered to leave an Endicott property. The incident was reported around 9.40 p.m. Thursday at 11 North Liberty Avenue. According to Endicott Police, Kyron Milner of Connecticut was in the backyard of a residence when he was confronted by a woman who told him to leave. Milner is said to have refused several directives to get off the property. Investigators said he grabbed the woman by the arm when she tried to remove his personal items from the backyard. Milner allegedly advised the resident he had a knife. The woman's 19-year-old son then became aware of the dispute and tried to defend his mother. Milner is accused of using a makeshift knife to cut the other man on the arm during the scuffle. The son was treated at Lord's Hospital in Binghamton and released. Milner was charged with second-degree assault and second-degree menacing. He also faces counts of criminal possession of a weapon, obstructing governmental administration and trespass. He was arraigned and ordered held at the Broome County Jail without bail. Customers of Rite Aid pharmacy stores in uh, Broome County are preparing for the possible closure of the stores. 
The Philadelphia-based Rite Aid Corporation has been dealing with serious financial issues and has been discussing a potential bankruptcy plan with its creditors. The Wall Street Journal reported Rite Aid was considering closing up to 500 stores with an eye towards selling them or allowing creditors to take over the operations. According to the Rite Aid website, the company now has 241 stores across New York State. It has locations on Conklin Avenue and Binghamton South Side and on Hooper Road in Endwell. Employees at the Broome County stores say they are waiting to learn the fate of their locations, but they say they believe it's likely the local stores soon will be closed. Walgreens acquired about 1,900 Rite Aid stores in 2018, including several in Broome and Tioga counties. Since then, Rite Aid has been in the process of shutting down underperforming stores. A store at a Vestal Parkway shopping center was evacuated after police received reports that people spotted a person bleeding from the neck. Vestal police said patrol units were sent to the Town Square Mall shortly after 6 p.m. Friday. The first officer on the scene found an injured man in front of the Burlington Department Store. Police said the man was bleeding from his neck and other areas of the body. He would not talk with the officer but walked into the store. The officer noticed the man was holding a razor blade. The store was evacuated as a precaution and police began to talk with the injured man. After more than three hours of negotiations, the man agreed to put down the razor blade and be evaluated by medics. He was then taken to a hospital for treatment. Police said the man appeared to have been experiencing a mental health crisis. He requested to speak to a counselor who was called to the scene to assist officers. Authorities said the 47-year-old bank of the man's injuries were not believed to be life-threatening. Three police, special police officers who were involved in the conversation with the man are state-certified crisis negotiators. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul announced on October 6th $6.7 million in funding had been secured to create 52 affordable rental apartments for five New York State areas in four cities, including Syracuse, Rochester, Wilmington, and Binghamton. The awards are provided through the New York State Homes and Community Renewals Small Rental Development Initiative, providing, providing the awards. The SRD supports the creation and preservation of multifamily rental developments with 5 to 20 apartments. Specifically for the Binghamton area, $784,000 will be allocated for new construction of 12 homes in two six-unit buildings on Munsell Street. The New York State Governor's Office notes that all apartments will be affordable to households earning 80% or less of the area median income. The Small Rental Development Initiative funds were awarded to not-for-profit organizations that own, develop, and manage small rental development housing. After a three-day trial, a Broome County jury found Orlando Torres of Binghamton guilty of two counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree for possessing over one-half pound of fentanyl with the intent to sell, as well as one count of criminal possession of drug paraphernalia in the second degree. On August 11, 2022, the Broome County Special Investigations Task Unit Force executed a search warrant on an apartment at 65 Schubert Street in the city of Binghamton. Inside the apartment, police located Orlando Torres. The search resulted in the recovery of knotted wraps containing approximately 20 grams of fentanyl, a large amount of cash, as well as a digital scale. Torres, who has four prior felony narcotics convictions, convictions, faces up to 12 years in New York State prison when he is sentenced on November 6th. 
That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is Bob Joseph, Monday morning live, 607-772-1290. Call in if you'd like to talk on our program. This is Binghamton Now. Go back to the phones. Gary from Binghamton's West Side rejoins us. Welcome back. Good morning, Bob. Yeah. So just a, a quick recap there. The uh, the uh, child was kidnapped. The parents were at the state park looking at her. It's early in the morning the next day. And I believe that there were state troopers at the house. But whether state troopers, local police, whoever, they're at the house. While at 4.20 in the morning, a car pulls up to the mailbox, puts something in the mailbox. They witness this. It drives off. They go out to see what it is. They find out it's a ransom note. And then they send it to the crime labs. And like 12 hours later, they determine they get the fingerprint. And then they go and they uh, identify the person. They go to his house and they capture him and they uh, find the girl, thankfully. And my question was, was that uh, how come the uh, police did not stop the car or at least try to follow the car and see what it was? I mean, it could have been the newspaper being delivered in the morning. Uh, You know, that's my guess. And then the other one was that uh, somebody had mentioned to me that they didn't want to stop that guy because if he was the kidnapper, he might just clam up and not say anything and then they wouldn't know where the girl is. So what's your insight? Well, I don't know anything more than has been reported publicly. I will say, and I can't say with 100% certainty, but I'm virtually certain Every aspect of this investigation is going to be closely scrutinized, not just internally by the state police, but possibly by outside entities. And I think it should be. This was a high-profile case, and it's fortunate that the kidnapped girl was found and the suspect was taken into custody relatively fast. However... Having said that, and I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully because I don't know all of the circumstances. But I would say just generally, and this is why questions are being raised appropriately, generally, I think um, police, state police, most likely would have recommended if a trooper saw someone leaving 
anything in the mailbox at the home of the family that that person be detained and interviewed at once and not allowed to go any further. Now, as to whether the person would cooperate and say, okay, you got me, and if you look in the mailbox, you'll see what I just put in there 15 seconds ago is a ransom note, so you got me, and I don't see any way I'm getting out of this, so I'll tell you where the girl is, and fortunately she's okay. And then, and again, this is all hypothetical, and the girl potentially could have been reunited with her family, and the investigation could go on from there with the guy in custody and the girl back with her family sooner. But having said that, I don't know all the details. It just seems to me that normal police procedure and protocol would suggest that you detain the person at once. I can't, I can't believe in the absence of additional information, I can't believe that there would be a police, unless another thing they have with technology, if they were able to, they have these things that cops can shoot like their little darts and attach to a vehicle so that then they can track the vehicle. Now, I don't know how far away the trooper was to the man who dropped off the note and then drove away, but if he was close enough, he could have used one of those, and I don't know that state police have those little devices they're relatively new but there are a lot of things as as you suggest that that could have been done now whether they should have been done i don't know and i i don't doubt at some point the state police may release at least um a conclusion of their review of procedures in this investigation and unfortunately they may conclude, they may issue a statement probably in the form of a short news release that says, we reviewed all aspects of the investigation into the kidnapping of the nine-year-old girl, and um, although some people have raised questions about certain aspects of, of how the state police handle different portions of this case, uh, as a whole, we believe uh, our troopers and investigators uh, followed proper procedures, and therefore the child was reunited with her family and a suspect was taken into custody. So may may require an outside investigation by the attorney general's office or someone because I, I think I think it's appropriate. And again, I'm choosing my words very carefully. I'm not blaming anyone. I didn't say anyone made a mistake. Maybe no mistakes were made or possibly maybe mistakes were made. I don't know. Either way, we can always learn. And after a high-profile case, there there always is with law enforcement and other other government entities or even private entities. There's always um, a review at at a minimum, a cursory review. In this case, given the fact that it received nationwide or even uh, world attention, I'm sure they're going to investigate it closely. As far as what information state police will release about their review of the case, we'll see. I, I will say New York State Police, um, as a rule, are reluctant to release much information about anything, even when it doesn't involve their members. So 
you know, we'll see. I mean, yeah, state, the state, case, the state police state. have a, have an opportunity here to uh, actually um, actually make New Yorkers proud by a review and then uh, releasing a detailed report. Again, not not pointing fingers, not casting aspersions. Just say say what what our review found and thoughts and recommendations for the future. If they would have stopped this individual that day, in this case, and they don't know this, they don't, they can't foresee the future or who this person was. If they would have, they would have turned out pretty well because they would have deterred, they would have got his identity eventually. They could have, and then they could have went to the house and searched the house where where the girl was, and it would have turned out well. Yeah, it just, it just, I don't know, it was just bothering me, Bob, and I figured I'd call. Maybe there was some other type of, uh, or something that they do or they don't do in these instances that maybe you knew of, you know. No, so I, I don't. No, it's interesting, yeah. and, and I, I haven't spoken, and maybe I will, but I haven't spoken with any current or former law enforcement people to get their take on it, and I might, because I, I know, People who are in the police business either are currently or have been over the years, including investigators, I know that they'll have some thoughts about this. And maybe maybe they'll have insights that I, I personally don't have. But again, I, I think um, there are legitimate questions about how it was handled. Fortunately, it ended well. But what if it didn't? Right. And the bottom line is it did end well. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Everything yeah. turned out well. You know, they, they, and it, they accomplished what they wanted to do. And thank goodness for that. And they have a tough job. Right. And that's that. why uh, that that's why question. I I certainly didn't want to be the first one to bring this up, because then people are going to say, oh, well, I thought you're a, a big supporter of law enforcement. And here you are asking a few questions. And to which I would say, yes, I, I ask a few questions about everything. I ask a few questions every night when I see the weather forecast and, or anything. And that's just me. And it doesn't mean that I doubt people or, or question their training or their integrity or whatever. It just means that going forward, I want things to be better. And I, I can't, I can't believe that a review of what happened in this case is not going to include some recommendations for the state police and other agencies in the future for similar situations. Now, whether whether the internal, the full report, the internal report that the state police do, whether that about the findings of, of the state police review and also recommendations, whether that'll be made public, uh, we'll see. I mean, that'll be telling. One thing also to know, Gary and others, the state police are facing a leadership crisis. State police have had problems at the top over the last few years. The guy who had been in charge of the state police, um, he, let's see, Stephen Negrelli was the acting superintendent and he quit a few days ago when Governor Hochul's office let him know he would not be named the permanent superintendent. 
And that was after an investigation into allegations he had harassed and mistreated state police employees. This is according to the Albany Times Union. So now, finally, you see, at the time of um, of the investigation into the missing girl, they had no one who was officially superintendent or even acting. Well, like maybe they had an acting superintendent. They just have uh, a new person who's been named to the top post, Colonel Dominic Cimento has been named the acting superintendent. So we'll see how long he stays on. They've had leadership problems um, for at least the last couple of years. Uh, Another superintendent, Kevin Bruin, left the job two weeks after Hochul confirmed her office was examining allegations that he had shielded a former employee from internal complaints due to their close working relationship. So there are tr- there are problems at the top of the state police. And, it, oh, here's the final paragraph in the Albany Times Union story. Current and former state police members told the Albany Times Union they believe the governor may look outside the agency for a permanent superintendent and that she could be interested in appointing the first female leader of the agency. So, again, the people who've been appointed to the top of the New York State Police in recent years have had, shall we say, some problems. And so, and I'm not saying that the the issues at the top have a whole lot to do with what's going on with routine day-to-day operations at the troop level or with uh, BCI, Bureau of Criminal Investigation, but that uncertainty at the top certainly doesn't help well i hope they get that all worked out well i do uh, they're very important to our society they're tremendously important and i absolutely uh, i have uh i have high regard for the division of state police i in a typical most people do well and and in a typical week or a typical month i'm sure i i would say i inter interact with um, troopers on, on a semi-regular basis, sometimes investigators or sometimes even the uh, the major who's the um, commander of Troop C in Sydney. He was just on the program. And, of course, I also interact with their uh, public information officer. She and I, we don't speak necessarily every week, but it, it all depends on what's going on. So, you know, we do have a good working relationship but i also think that uh, all current members of the state police whether they're troopers or investigators or members of specialized units would say and i don't know if they they certainly can't talk about this publicly but they might tell me privately that they would be pleased to have a, a thorough review of how this was was handled not to criticize anybody but to find ways to do better in the future because, unfortunately, there will be a next time where somebody is missing and time will make a difference in in having uh, a successful outcome. Yeah, I I agree with that. And, you know, Bob, for all of those who wanted to defund the police and all of that, my thought always about that was people really who want to defund the police, they never really needed the police to help them. At a certain time, you know, when you have trouble in your house or whatever and you need the police to come, you are so thankful that when they do come, 
and help you out. You know, absolutely. And, and I've just, I've had yeah over, oh, over yeah. the I mean some t- a lot of time not a lot but sometimes even last week and I didn't talk about it on the air and I'm not going to get into it specifically but um, there was a time huh, what was it oh as recently I think as last Friday where I was doing a story and somebody wasn't happy with me reporting a story. First of all, it turns out I don't think the guy was even involved in the story, but he just happened upon a me. Civilian? Yeah. This is a civilian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A person who and I I never saw the guy before and and my guests we just didn't have we didn't head it off. We'll put it that way. So I was doing my job taking pictures and and video at a site uh to update a story and this person who, to the best of my knowledge, has nothing to do with it, starts to interact with me. And I didn't, as they say, I didn't start it. I didn't ask, hey, who are you? I didn't have a chance. I was going to ask because I I didn't know who this person was. And I thought it might be, in fact, someone I was trying to reach to get more information about the story. But I could quickly tell this guy wasn't the person I was hoping it would be. This guy was someone who just, we'll say, uh, on Friday morning seemed to have an anger management issue and so started threatening me. And it's like, I don't really need that to start my day. But as it turns out, a patrol car for a local agency, a well-known local police agency, happened by. And I wave the officer down and I said could I have a word Can and I explained to him just briefly what was going on and the fact that this person I didn't know had threatened me basically he said I'll clean it up he said basically it's people like you who get bleeped up and I don't want to get bleeped up well I'm I don't know exactly what he meant by it but it didn't sound like like it would allow me to come in here and do the program that day if he carried through on, on the implicit threat. So I uh, I told the officer who I was, and the officer went over to have a chat with the guy to explain the way the world works in America. And I went on with my business, but I was glad the officer happened to be in in the neighborhood so I didn't have to find out exactly what what the angry young man meant by people like me get bleeped up. He was quite angry. Yeah, Bob, I'm, I'm surprised that that doesn't happen to you more often because you show up to crime scenes well, and stuff like that. And I'm sure it has happened many times well, in the past. Well, I can't tell you. And, and actually at that same location, at that same yeah. location about three weeks ago, a car full of people who were not enthusiastic about the about local reporters were there. And I wouldn't be surprised that one or more of those people may have been persons of interest in a story that I had covered um, about a shooting the night before. And although I didn't have a vehicle description or any description of persons of interest, but based on their behavior, I thought of the four people in the car, one or more of them could have been persons of interest and I had to operate under the I'll say the presumption that they had maybe guns and knives and other weapons 
Now, fortunately, and that also started off poorly, but after five minutes of conversation, we actually, we actually hit it off. You know, I, I try, I, you know, my theory, I tried to calm them down. Well, I did. I tried to de-escalate. They didn't like talking, talking, giving them my card and explaining why I was there. Showing that you're human. Yes, and actually showing some concern for them, too, which I am concerned, even if they were persons of interest. I'm just a reporter. I'm, I'm not out there obtaining information for the authorities. I'm I'm doing an investigation, yes, for the news. I'm not doing an investigation right. for the police. And, you know, and after, again, the fir- I'll tell you, the first two or three minutes of that interaction with these four people in the car at a previous crime scene, it, it was it was unpleasant. And, and some would say perhaps a little scary because you don't know. Things can go sideways fast. Oh, yeah. You know, and all when I'm out reporting, I have a notebook, a pen, and my phone. That's what I have. No, you don't believe in guns. Bob. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Before, but I, know, I know. I've no, had this conversation man. with many man. people. Jeez. Many people. Many people say, "But Bob, don't you know?" And I say, "Yeah, I know." And I, tr- I try to, I try to make the right choices but hey you never know you you, you really don't know it's you no. know i already had stay safe out there bob stay safe that's what i'm doing and, I, and again i appreciate proof best well <laughs> it may not be a bad idea i have to call uh my friends at kevlar to see what they have in my size it's ten thirty one. bob joseph always asking a few questions if i'm in your neighborhood and you want to say hello, say hi to me, if you wish, if you wish. 607-772-1290. It's Monday morning. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. Cashback is not- WNBF. Back to the phones. Vinny in Binghamton. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Hey, I, I heard you and Gary talking, so I thought I'd chime in on the um, the whole abduction thing. You know, I, I, this is what I think. I think what happened is once this happened, once the police force, um, state police, 
got as much information as they got. I think probably probably they set up surveillance for ransom note. I think they probably put two cameras around the mailbox. Once this person drove up at four in the morning, they got a shot of their driver's license, and then they went after the envelope. And so once they got the envelope, hey, we got the driver's license. This goes back to this person, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we got that. All right, let's run that. Let's see if we've got fingerprints. Then they got the fingerprints. Boom, they got the guy. That's how I think it went on. Well, they didn't say that. If They well, they, they made it sound as though it was uh, just uh, incredible police work and luck that there happened to be a fingerprint on the note. They didn't make any reference that we had a surveillance operation underway and set up multiple cameras and license plates reader, license plate readers. Now, here's what I would have done. And again, yeah. state police don't need my advice, but say mm -hmm. if I was in charge of the investigation, yeah, I would set up surveillance. I would set up multiple cameras, uh, including a small one undetectable at the mailbox, but still close enough that it would have gotten a picture of the person. And maybe his face was covered, maybe not. Also, uh, uh, cameras on either side, so you would get at least one clear shot of the license plate. And if it was a car in New York, uh, front and back license plates. And I also, at both ends of the street, I haven't looked up, actually. I'm surprised I haven't looked up the street and the, the address where this happened, but I haven't. Um, either at, at the end of the block or whatever, license plate readers. So the license plate readers would have kept track of every vehicle coming and going. And then also... I would have um, at least one officer, if not more than one, uh, on the street, and then one maybe if there was a house across the street or next door. And also, outside of a short perimeter, like, say, two or three blocks away, so when there was uh, a suspicious vehicle that came and somebody delivered a potential ransom note, then I would have one of my investigators follow that vehicle at... Uh, an appropriate distance to track the person. Now, maybe they well, did all this, but the, the only thing that I've heard mentions was was the breakthrough thanks to, I think it was, I don't know if it was a fingerprint or a thumbprint that was in the database because the guy previously had been in trouble possibly for driving under the influence. So maybe the police did a lot more than we know. I'm sure they did. But so far, Governor Hochul and state police authorities haven't indicated anything, as far as I know, beyond the um, the fingerprint. Well, you know, you, you've got to be very careful on what you release. I think our police force, I mean, and I'm sure you agree, we've come a long way since Sarah Ann Wood. Do you remember that in the early 90s? Yes, I do. Right. Okay. We've come a long way. So what you release, you've got to be very careful because there's too many crackpots. Oh, geez, if I do that, that's right. They they do this. They put that. I can't do it. You've got to be very careful because I don't know if you remember, but I was watching a documentary on <clears throat> the Night Stalker. And it's so funny. It has to, Some of it has to do with Diane uh, Feinstein, who just passed away, because we had just gotten done with the Hillside Strangler. And then the Night Stalker came up.
So one of the things that was so uh, uh, great about that at the time was the police, the one thing they did not release was this guy was wearing these Avita sneakers and all these killings, and it kept coming up. So what happened is a killing happened not in Los Angeles, it happened in San Francisco. So Diane Feinstein gets on, and she's talking, blah, 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 and then she brings up the sneaker thing. And he's wearing these sneakers. Blew the case right open. They were ticked. Never any more prints at these murder scenes because she said that. Blew the whole thing, Bob. They're like, oh, my God. And he goes, we never found a print ever again after she, meaning that the killer was watching. He was watching TV. Mm, oh, well, okay. But here's, here's okay, the no, thing. I, I now, you got, I guess that's what I'm saying, but you got to be careful. They probably. Well, that's why I have been careful. Everything I've said about this has been careful and and worded, I think, uh, meticulously to show care. A that we don't know what we don't know, yeah. and it's appropriate. In fact, it should be incumbent on the state police and. Maybe even an outside agency. I know uh, police agencies, police agencies are like everybody else. Nobody wants someone outside their organization sticking their nose into our business. So say, say if I did, if somebody thought I did something wrong, I would say, well, let's have WNBF investigate to see if I did. And then afterwards, after an internal investigation, uh, the station will issue a statement saying either yes, Bob did something wrong or no. Our internal review indicated Bob did nothing wrong. But that wouldn't satisfy some people. Some people would say, well, why don't we have the FCC and other authorities investigate? And that's so I think now again, just because somebody raises questions about the handling of this case, I don't think it's questioning the integrity or the professionalism the state police and the other agencies who worked on it i'd say it shows no, that no. we're we want them to do better by the way it's interesting to me mm-hmm. now that you brought it up yeah i've seen no one do a 30-year update about the disappearance of sarah ann wood and it's interesting because and maybe they have and i just missed it but she vanished August 18th, 1993. And so, and maybe, and now I'll, I'll do a search because probably somebody did do an update. Well, was, did they Bob do it, an update? It was, it was Lent. It was that guy who killed, um, yeah, but, somebody, but she, uh, yes, but, we know, we know somebody was, was arrested and yes, but her body has never been found and her parents still are hopeful after three decades that her body will be found. Well, if I'm not mistaken, he led them. This guy got stupid crazy. He led them near this lake. And they had all, I think like 700 people, they were up there digging, and they never found anything. Then I think there was another place that this this guy said, oh, yeah, it was over there. And he was just playing with the parents, toying with their emotions. And I think that's the last that I read about it. But I, I guess what I'm saying is I know exactly what you guys are saying, but I know at some point, you know, these kind of, look, at, there's a lot of nut jobs out there. And these predators are getting more bold and their sense, they don't care. They'll just do it. I mean, this, this is crazy what they got her in the closet. And thank God, because you know how this happens a lot of times. They don't keep them too long. They kill them. And it, it's just a sad point. 
Um, Bob, can I flip? I just wanted to say something about Israeli and the attack over there in Israel, if I could, could real quick. You know, when, when that came on the news, the first thing that came to my mind was that Twilight Zone episode. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I can't remember the name of it, but it was about these uh, um, um, astronauts that were going through space. This is in the future, and they landed on this asteroid. I don't know if you remember this episode. They landed on an asteroid, and uh, it was like it was like like Earth. Had air, water, you name it, and but and it had like um, um, cars and and it had like a farm. they landed on this like farm area, but people were like statues, and um, they heard a band playing. They ran into town, and there was a band going on, but everybody was like a statue. And then finally, as they ran out to go someplace else, this guy turns around. He's like the caretaker. It was like a cemetery. And so, make a long story short, he finally had to kill him but but through wine and they said why did you do it and his his thing was um he goes you know i'm the caretaker i'm supposed to protect the people here but there there was a saying that where there is man there can be no peace it was a powerful episode just like a lot of those twilight zones and the message that they had you ask yourself what in god's name is going on over there actually in the world why would you attack these people? Where do you think you're going to go? What, what do you think you want to do? And just like North Korea, getting all these bombs. Why? What's going on? And then you think of North Korea. I swear to God, I've told somebody this. I said, if this guy tries to become more westernized and open up his borders in North Korea, those that are in power with him, they'll shoot him. They'll kill him. Well, because we'll they see. want to hang on to power. They we'll see what happens. It's, it's unfortunate. I don't understand the violence at any level. I don't understand violence in Binghamton. I don't understand the violence in the Middle East. I don't understand the violence in Ukraine. We'll note, I see that a, a search does, in fact prove that I was wrong. Somebody, at least, did a 30-year update on the disappearance of Sarah Ann Wood. Sean Mills from the Daily Sentinel in Rome, New York, did a piece on August 17th, and his story starts, 30 years have passed since 12-year-old Sarah Ann Wood was abducted near her home in Herkimer County, and the search for her remains has never stopped. The people doing the actual investigating may have changed, but their commitment to bringing closure to the case is as strong as ever. So I just missed it. I didn't realize until uh, her name was just brought up that 30 years have passed since the 12-year-old girl disappeared near her home in Herkimer County. And yes, she was taken by Lewis Lent Jr. To be continued. It's 1047. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Ten forty nine at WNBF DJ in Binghamton. You're on the air. 
I'm live on time. I'm about to step inside. It's loud out here. Bob, I was in front of your studio earlier, and uh, I told Mayor Bucci and, and and Jared Cram came up, and I said, hey, come on, talk to Bob. <laughs> Mayor Bucci laughed. We're having a great time, man. It's a nice day. It's blue skies. It's, it's warmer now. The sun is really out, but it was cold earlier. So, Well, it's a great I day. For, it's a great day for the parade. Yeah, it's really nice out. There's a lot of blue sky now, and it's getting warmer. I was wondering why you didn't set up like you did outside for that Halloween parade when I had my when I pulled up in front of my you with my motorcycle. Remember that? I was doing rock the parade. I had that long hair. I was doing my minute uh, rock. Yeah, minute well, when I'm rock. when I'm set up like that, I can't take phone calls. Oh. Okay. Well, are you coming out, brother? Listen to the music. Listen to the band. Which band is that? Which band? They're the best. Which one? Um. I'm not right there because it would be too loud, but I guarantee you, Johnson City is going to win. They are so talented. All right. Well, I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate your checking in. Have a good time. Hey, Bob. Hold on. Let me just say, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. All right. I and we just are wishing for the safety of everyone, and we want the hostilities to come to an immediate end. Now, no one else needs to be injured or killed. Peace. Give peace a chance. It's 1051. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Ten fifty five. Bob Joseph live WNBF. Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Hello. Hey, what's up? Uh, when is he going to start taking the walk bridge down? I've been looking. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to happen sooner than you think. I know today's the. I know today's the ninth. I know that, but I just want to be prepared so I can. So I can make sure that I get a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hear it. <laughs> oh, it, you, you'll you'll enjoy. You'll enjoy the sonic, the sonic effects. I didn't realize that it was a, that it was a problem. No, I mean, I didn't know there was any traffic on there or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they finally decided enough is enough, so it'll be coming down soon. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm doing well. Had a great weekend. Looking forward to a busy week. So stay tuned. Okay. I was going to go through Newark Valley, but. It well, I was, too. I didn't make it. Hey, I got to run. Okay, honey. Thank you. And we've got more coming up next hour. Bob Joseph live in living color. WNBF. Hi. WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Partly sunny today, high near 56. Mostly cloudy tonight, low around 41. Partly sunny Tuesday, high near 59. Police have arrested a suspect after he allegedly attacked a person when he was ordered to leave an Endicott property. The incident was reported around 9.40 p.m. Thursday at 11 North Liberty Avenue. According to Endicott Police, Kyron Milner of Connecticut was in the backyard of a residence when he was confronted by a woman who told him to leave. 
Miller is said to have refused several directives to get off the property. Investigators said he grabbed the woman by the arm when she tried to remove his personal items from the backyard. Milner allegedly advised the resident he had a knife. The woman's 19-year-old son then became aware of the dispute and tried to defend his mother. Milner is accused of using a makeshift knife to cut the other man on the arm during the scuffle. The son was treated at Lord's Hospital in Binghamton and released. Milner was charged with second-degree assault and second-degree menacing. He also faces counts of criminal possession of a weapon, obstructing governmental administration and trespass. He was arraigned and ordered held at the Broome County Jail without bail. Customers of Rite Aid Pharmacy stores in uh, Broome County are preparing for the possible closure of the stores. The Philadelphia-based Rite Aid Corporation has been dealing with serious financial issues and has been discussing a potential bankruptcy plan with its creditors. The Wall Street Journal reported Rite Aid was considering closing up to 500 stores with an eye towards selling them or allowing creditors to take over the operations. According to the Rite Aid website, the company now has 241 stores across New York State. It has locations on Conklin Avenue and Binghamton's south side and on Hooper Road in Endwell. Employees at the Broome County stores say they are waiting to learn the fate of their locations, but they say they believe it's likely the local stores soon will be closed. Walgreens acquired about 1,900 Rite Aid stores in 2018, including several in Broome and Tioga counties. Since then, Rite Aid has been in the process of shutting down underperforming stores. A store at a Vestal Parkway shopping center was evacuated after police received reports that people spotted a person bleeding from the neck. Vestal police said patrol units were sent to the Town Square Mall shortly after 6 p.m. Friday. The first officer on the scene found an injured man in front of the Burlington Department Store. Police said the man was bleeding from his neck and other areas of the body. He would not talk with the officer but walked into the store. The officer noticed the man was holding a razor blade. The store was evacuated as a precaution and police began to talk with the injured man. After more than three hours of negotiations, the man agreed to put down the razor blade and be evaluated by medics. He was then taken to a hospital for treatment. Police said the man appeared to have been experiencing a mental health crisis. He requested to speak to a counselor who was called to the scene to assist officers. Authorities said the 47-year-old Bengal man's injuries were not believed to be life-threatening. Three police, special police officers who were involved in the conversation with the man are state-certified crisis negotiators. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul announced on October 6th $6.7 million in funding had been secured to create 52 affordable rental apartments for five New York State areas in four cities, including Syracuse, Rochester, Wilmington, and Binghamton. The awards are provided through the New York State Homes and Community Renewals Small Rental Development Initiative providing, providing the awards. The SRD supports the creation and preservation of multifamily rental developments with 5 to 20 apartments. Specifically for the Binghamton area, $784,000 will be allocated for new construction of 12 homes in two six-unit buildings on Munsell Street. The New York State Governor's Office notes that all apartments will be affordable to households earning 80% or less of the area median income. The Small Rental Development Initiative funds were awarded to not-for-profit organizations that own, develop, and manage small rental development housing. 
After a three-day trial, a Broome County jury found Orlando Torres of Binghamton guilty of two counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree for possessing over one-half pound of fentanyl with the intent to sell, as well as one count of criminal possession of drug paraphernalia in the second degree. On August 11, 2022, the Broome County Special Investigations Task Unit Force executed a search warrant on an apartment at 65 Schubert Street in the city of Binghamton. Inside the apartment, police located Orlando Torres. The search resulted in the recovery of knotted wraps containing approximately 20 grams of fentanyl, a large amount of cash, as well as a digital scale. Torres, who has four prior felony narcotics convictions, convictions, faces up to 12 years in New York State prison when he is sentenced on November 6th. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Give me a call now, 607-772-1290. Talk on WNBN. Sometimes a home looks okay. The world survives into another day. And I'm thinking about eternity. Some kind of ecstasy's got a hold on me. I had another dream about the lines at the door. They weren't half as frightened as they were before. But I'm thinking about eternity. Some kind of ecstasy's got a hold on me. Good morning, parade fans. Walls when the trees wave coming through. You be in me and I'll be in you. Together in eternity. Some kind of ecstasy's got a hold on me. Up among the first words. Another big hour of big talk from the big station in town. W. NBF. <laughs> you thought you were going to fool me there. What? The big station in town. This is the big station that serves the parlor city and all points around the world. And just checked with um, parade goers and hangers on and wannabes. And uh, the word is the parade. Went well. Everybody seems happy. And that's important. Everybody seems happy. And if they seem happy, that means they are happy. <laughs> so if you uh, just went back or went to the parade or if you're listening, maybe you're listening on your transistor radio, probably you're listening on your phone using the WNBF app. So if you're on Court Street, maybe you're on Water Street enjoying some fine food. Well, enjoy my neighborhood. It's always nice to see people flocking to Mr. Joseph's neighborhood here on Court Street. And there's a new sense of enthusiasm on Court Street, too. else is going on? Let's see. Oh, WNBF.com. I haven't seen what they're about today. WNBF.com, my favorite website of all time. Uh, of course, we have 
some stories. We have a um, story about a guy who was in a backyard in Endicott who uh, inexplicably wouldn't leave someone's backyard, according to the police, and they uh, advised, they advised, or apparently the, the woman at the house advised the guy to leave. This is according to the police account, and according to the Endicott police information, the man wouldn't leave, and then he... Um, Got into some sort of dispute, not not only with the woman, but her son. And this guy from out of state, no less. He was not a New York resident. You know, some people say, well, what do you expect? He's a New Yorker. So, of course, of course he was causing trouble. No, he was from a different state. So the guy, according to the police, uh, had a knife and then he slashed the woman's son the son tried to defend his mom so the guy with the knife has been charged with assault and menacing as well as criminal possession of a weapon obstructing governmental administration and trespass so last we knew he was being held at Broome County Jail without bail so that's what happened in Endicott we have more details on the website more specifics at WNBF.com. Also, uh, an incident that happens at the Town Square Mall. By the way, no relation to us. There are two town squares that you need to be concerned about. One is called Town Square Media, which owns WNBF Radio. And then you have the Town Square Mall. There's no connection. Town Square Mall. They had an incident on Friday night. And a man was spotted. He was bleeding from the neck. He was having uh, apparently a mental health crisis. So the Burlington store at the Town Square Mall was evacuated. And then the police... And a counselor were patient and they talked with the man because he had been apparently seen around the town square mall and then he went into the Burlington store and so they spent more than three hours speaking with him and he uh, put down the razor blade he had and then agreed to be taken to a hospital for treatment and evaluation. So hopefully... Hopefully he will receive the assistance he needs. And, of course, we have more information on our website about what transpired there. According to Vestal Police, three of their officers were uh, certified state police, or not certified state police, certified police negotiators, so shows that training does pay off. So there's more on our website about that. Plus, the future of Rite Aid stores. Um, At the moment, employees are worried 
about the future of their stores on Conklin Avenue in Binghamton on the south side and also on Hooper Road in Endwell. And according to a person at Rite Aid, I believe in Philadelphia, I think the corporate office is in Philadelphia, she um, sent an email after we published our story about the employees and customers being concerned that the two stores will be closed because Rite Aid corporation is having financial problems and some stores are going to close apparently maybe as many as 500 stores will be closed if they go forward with um, a possible bankruptcy filing but a spokesperson wrote to us late Friday afternoon quote there are no plans to close those locations so that's the official word from Rite Aid Corporation about stores in Binghamton and Endwell. There are no plans to close those locations. As far as CVS, we don't know how many more CVS locations will be closed. Uh, CVS has, over the last few years, closed down four Broome County stores that I know about. Three were in Binghamton and one in Johnson City. And the guy in charge of CVS had said the company plans to close 300 stores per year for three years. So I don't know what that means, whether any CVS locations in Broome or Tioga counties will be closed But maybe they will be. What they want is apparently to eliminate the underperforming locations. So the only stores they have are stores that perform brilliantly. So we'll keep you posted. We've got, uh, we've got feelers out there. There's a lot going on in the, uh, when it comes to retail pharmacy, there's, there's a lot happening, and a lot of it isn't particularly good. It's not good for the customers, and it's also not good for the employees. So if you have any insight, we're always available for news tips. Bob at WNBF.com. So if you work at one of those pharmacies and you know what's going to happen next, you can drop a note, Bob at WNBF.com. And, of course, we'll maintain your anonymity you don't have to worry that anybody is going to know that that you helped uh, provide some insight into what's going on but what i find is a lot of times um the people at the corporate level don't really want to talk to reporters about what they're planning to do so a lot of times we of necessity actually speak with the Workers. That's what you have to do. You just speak with the workers. You go. You go directly and ask people what what's going to happen, or do you know what's going to happen? And a lot of times we get some accurate current information just by speaking with people around the Binghamton area because 
they want the story out. Sometimes the corporate people are reluctant to put the story out. It's 1121. Good morning. It's Monday. Hope your week is off to a pleasant start. Still wish I was able to get to the parade, but we're going to have to uh, contact the parade organizers. Maybe in the future they can adjust the start time of the parade to enable me to enjoy it or even participate. 607-772-1290 if you have a few thoughts on this Monday morning. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. at WNBF and good morning to you comics fans across the fruited plains so we knew it was coming but I don't think we fully appreciated how wonderful it would be until we saw with our own eyes how the BC and Wizard of Id uh, comic strips are now being presented on Sundays in the Press and Sun Bulletin. Of course, we knew it wasn't going to be good. Well, I don't know for sure that we knew. We we had a suspicion it wasn't going to be good. And, you know, suspicion confirmed when I uh, woke up early Sunday morning to take uh, a glance at the Press and Sun Bulletin, fresh from the printing plant in far Rockaway, New Jersey, or some Rockaway, and um, you know, paging through the new revised lineup of fine comics. First, for some reason, uh, Doonesbury has been dropped. The Sunday Doonesbury has been a fresh Doonesbury, but apparently, Apparently somebody at Gannett is not a fan of Gary Trudeau because Doonesbury has been banished. So if you want any fresh Doonesbury uh, comics in your Sunday print newspaper, uh, you're not going to find it in Binghamton. The other thing, and we knew that this was coming because they had said a couple of weeks ago when they gave us a heads up about uh, BC and Wizard of Id 
basically uh, Gannett. The geniuses at Gannett Corporate decided they don't like VC and Wizard of Id, so they dropped those two comics from the regular Sunday comic section. So, must be they don't like Endicott or Nineveh or Broome County, but they decided that the BC and Wizard of Id comics no longer make the cut for uh, Gannett newspapers in many markets. So, those two comics are gone for most Gannett newspaper readers on Sundays. However... On the bright side, the people at the Binghamton Press and Sun Bulletin knew there probably would be trouble if they didn't find some way to include BC and Wizard of Id in the Sunday paper. So what they have done, they have uh, published tiny truncated versions of the Sunday strip now. Uh, as part of the main paper, and on this particular Sunday, they uh, managed to find space at the bottom of page 8C. So, at least if you're a BC fan, or a Wizard of Id fan, if you like... See, I knew Johnny Hart... Well, I didn't really know him. I was at Johnny Hart's place, I think, only once in Endicott before eventually he moved to Nineveh. But, you know, as an Endicott, as a great person from Endicott, I always thought that it was nice. I mean, Wizard of Id, started by Johnny Hart and Brant Parker in 1964. So, that's been around now for what? Almost 60 years. And B.C. was in the 50s, right? B.C. is older than I am. Yikes, that's old. B.C. made its newspaper debut in February 1958. And sadly, as you may recall was among the longest-running strips still written and drawn by its original creator when Johnny Hart died in Nineveh in 2007. And since then, it's been produced by Mason Mastriani and I believe also by um, Mick. Just looking, we had... Uh, Mason and Mick here in the studio a while back. One of these days I'm going to... In fact, what the, what the heck? <laughs> what the heck? I'm going to uh, play a little bit of their interview uh, that we did. I won't play the whole thing, but at some point maybe we'll invite them back on since I love, I love the comics. I love BC and Wizard of Id. So coming up after a few important messages... We'll listen just to a portion of that interview that we did with the man behind the BC comic strip. And the reason we invited them in to begin with was uh, the BC comic strip was honoring April the Giraffe at the time. You remember April the Giraffe. So I thought, well, that would be 
a really good time to have Mason and Mick come in here to talk about um, the comic strip and a little bit of uh, the stuff that they do. So, yeah, play just a little bit of that. Coming up in a moment on our Monday program right here. It's 1129. Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Bob Joseph on a Monday morning live. Let's go back to the phones. Rod in Colesville. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to comment on the comics. I've been reading. I'm 73, and I've been reading those comics for forever. And uh, I, too, missed the Sunday up-to-date Doonesbury. I thought that was a wonderful strip. And the big one that I really missed yesterday was Prince Valiant. I thoroughly enjoyed that every Sunday. And uh, uh, we're going to miss it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. um, Yeah, I know uh, some Gannett papers, or at least one, uh, the editor acknowledged that Prince Valiant uh, being dropped was not going to be popular. And, um, you know, the, the thing about Gannett is um, they're a secretive organization. You know, if I wanted to get answers from Gannett about why they made the comic changes, nobody would speak with me. You would think that would be a simple enough thing, but it's too controversial. It's like the third rail of newspapers where they'll put out statements in their newspapers, but they won't answer questions because they're afraid for some reason. But, you know, yeah. I, I, I think... Been, they're secret about everything. I mean, you can't, you can't call... You can't get them on the phone ever. That's, well, first of all, they don't have any local people answering the phone. They don't have a newsroom locally. I don't know if they have any physical presence. If they do, if they do, it's a secret place. Um, yeah. The place they had on uh, Lewis Road, they they took all the whatever was left of that and um, evacuated that a few months ago. Maybe they now have a small desk or something up there, but I don't know where it is. They, it's weird for a news organization. You would think they would welcome talking with other journalists about what they do. Yeah, but you know that's the thing. There's not, there's very little local news, and uh, very rarely do you get anything from the town. And I'll just make one more comment. Get off the phone. There is one paper in that I read uh, when I'm up there. It's the Watertown Times. It's owned by the Johnson family publishers. They do a wonderful job on world news, but they cover all the localities in northern New York, which is I don't really know much about them, but they're interesting to read. Wait, where do you get that newspaper? It's uh, the Watertown Times. Right, but where where do you get it? Is it over at uh, CVS? Oh, I don't know about around here. You can get it online. Oh, I... The Thousand Islands and uh, like that, that's the, the local paper, the Watertown Times. 
Yeah. And it covered all of Jefferson, St. Lawrence County, and that whole area. But it's a very, very good uh, newspaper. All right. Well, I'll keep my eye out when I go to CVS if I find it. They call the comic section they have here in our paper, they won't let our paper print their own comic section. It has to be, it's called the Gannett Unified Comics Pages. So it's like, say if, that's why for Binghamton readers, they are printing the very small. Do you have good eyesight? Uh, with with reading glasses. Yeah. Well, you're lucky. My my eyesight, even with reading glasses, isn't as good as it ought to be. So now with the new, the new tiny version, the truncated version of BC and Wizard of Id, conveniently located on page eight C. Again, at least, at least the Press and Sun Bulletin includes them, so I give them credit for understanding that <laughs> Endicott and Binghamton and Nineveh residents wouldn't be happy if they, if they didn't include them. But the, the, it's such a tiny version, and you know, I'm inclined to believe that a lot of people who actually read the print newspaper are older people whose eyesight isn't that good, so putting them tucked in the corner or not the corner, the bottom of the last page of Section C, that's small print, It, I guess, well, as they say, I guess it's better than nothing. But oh, No, I have to get it online because they did away with the rural delivery oh, two, three years ago. Yeah, well, you know what's probably happening next, uh, even for those of us who are still able to get it delivered six days a week by by um, the carrier, that's probably going to be done away with because I, I think Gannett is slowly rolling out. Uh, it's like death by a thousand cuts for the print newspaper. Um, in Elmira and uh, Ithaca, their companion papers here in central New York, they don't even deliver those anymore. They put them in the mail and hope that, you know, someday this week it'll be delivered by by the Postal Service. And nothing against, I have friends who work in the postal service and nothing against them they're doing the best they can certainly working for a guy who hates the postal service guy who's trying to dismantle the organization but personally i i think by eliminating regular daily delivery of your newspaper is sort of um it's like putting up the white flag like we surrender and we don't want to we don't want to print the paper much longer why don't you just shut it shut the print edition down if you don't feel you can well, if, maintain. Uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, last year, the year before, you had a a monkey muck from Gannett on uh, your interview, and he said he said right there one of their goals is to eliminate the print edition completely. Right, it's no secret. I'm they're they're doing know. a good job of it. Well, but are they really? And here's my thought: if if they're if you're going to eliminate the print edition anyway, instead of doing it incrementally and dropping features and uh, making the comics more generic, dropping Prince Valiant and so on, why don't you just say, as of October 31st, we're going to shut down the print newspaper? Sorry, we just. It's not sustainable any longer. And it you look at the circulation numbers, I get it. I I'm not 
I'm not fighting them about continuing the print edition. I'm saying if if it's no longer sustainable, why don't you put us put everyone out of their misery? Because we know the Gannett corporate people don't like print. That much is clear because they won't even talk about it. And the people they have, the people who remain working, are doing their best. But, you know, imagine imagine if you were working for the local newspaper and you write a story today. Say you get your story done at 5 p.m. today. The earliest it's going to appear in print is probably Wednesday, most likely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? So, and again, so I, look, I sympathize with them. I'm on their side. I'm actually even on the side of Gannett Corporate. What I want is Gannett to find a way to sustain their local news operation, not just sustain them, but stabilize them, and then rehire, like hire reporters and get, get staffing back to a level so they can cover the news more, even if it's only online. Hey, I, I get most people. Rehire. Like, I, yeah, most people, including me, are getting our news most of the time online. So, you know, w- will I miss print when it finally ends? Yeah, I'll miss it for a couple days, and then I'll get on with my life. But, you know, continually making these changes, you know, it's almost like they're – it's a, a strange form of newspaper water torture. You know, continually making these changes. So, you know, anyway, anything else? Okay, thanks for talking. Yeah, thank you for calling. As far as Prince Valiant, yeah, that's a loss. That's a loss. And uh, I see on, there's a website called Daily Cartoonist. The Daily Cartoonist website, which is industry news for the professional cartoonist. And they broke this story about Gannett's Unified Comics page and the changes they were making. And the guy who wrote the story pointed out that one key part of what had been the Gannett Standard section was keeping Prince Valiant Adventures alive. And then he pointed out that Prince Valiant won't be in any of the new Gannett Sunday papers, and he said that's a shame. He did put um, a note. What I, the, the times when Gannett does choose to respond to inquiries from journalists, it's never by phone because they don't want to talk to journalists. But they will send an email, and what they do sometimes, it's happened to me. They read my, they read the story after it's published online, and then they find one or two things that may not be exactly accurate and then they send you a note for example to the guy who wrote the story for the daily cartoonist in your post you know all us usa today network publications will carry the exact same comics which is inaccurate we are unifying our print comics package but our comics may still vary by market the majority of our publications will maintain a similar number of comics after the transition. In addition, your post states the transition will be effective October 2nd, which is also not correct. While many of our publications will make the transition in October, 
Others will be transitioning in January or later. Kindly update your post to reflect those changes. In addition, sharing a statement from Kristen Roberts, the chief content officer of Gannett, in the event you'd like to include in our post. And listen to this. It shows you the way they talk. Well, they don't actually talk to reporters. The statements they issue when they do choose to issue a statement to another news organization. Quote, our mission to provide essential journalism in the communities we serve means we are always evolving our content to ensure we are relevant. Refreshing our comics provides a consistent and modern presentation for our audience while incorporating beloved favorites they love. (laughs) But we'll take no questions. 1146, I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. We welcome to our studio Mason and Mick Mastroianni from BC Fame. <laughs> welcome. Uh, thank you. How, 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 how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> How's it going? Pleasure to be here. Hey, gentlemen. I'm, I'm really impressed with how well you pronounce our last name. I have, I, I still have trouble with it myself. So, so pretty close? Yeah, no, that yeah, was, was perfect. That was solid. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping. <laughs> because we are live and local. And, I mean, obviously we could correct this. Any mistakes we make, we could correct for the West Coast feed. But I, <laughs> I don't want to sit there with my, my editing tape and, and, and my razor blade, you know, editing the, the tape here on the reel-to-reel. You know, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, let's we're, we're going to uh, focus a bit in a, a few moments on a special series of, of strips spotlighting our good friend April, April the Giraffe. Many of our listeners may have heard of her at Animal Adventure Park and certainly uh, so many people around the world have heard of April and her uh, birthing adventure. First though, let's talk a little bit about the BC strip. To me it's amazing BC having been around for six decades. It's a remarkable success story and it's just remarkable this creation of of our beloved Johnny Hart and and tell our listeners a little bit of the background. As some of our listeners know the story of how BC came came into being and, and all the work that Johnny Hart did. And some people may not be familiar with that. Tell tell us about your grandfather. Yeah, um he uh he he started BC as a relatively young man. He um <clears throat> worked as an artist his whole life. He worked for Stars and Stripes in the Korean War. And uh he, he always wanted to be a comic strip artist. It was kind of a kind of a new field back then. And he copied Peanuts. He he launched BC in in 1958, yep. and it it, huh. it it took off it took off pretty fast. It was actually on a bet, I believe, as well, wasn't it, Mace? It was somebody bet him he couldn't create a caveman comic strip. Yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. He, he liked caveman gags, so I, I guess a friend said uh, said uh, I, I bet you can't you can't sell one. Yeah. Nobody nobody likes cavemen, so. Uh, <laughs> Came up with the strip, and I guess uh, I, I guess he won. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it, it was. I mean, I look at some of the early strips, and and you can certainly see there has been an evolution 
over the years. I mean, there was an evolution as he drew the strip, and then certainly more recently too, we've we've seen some some uh, obvious changes. So to me, as as I think back to uh, those good old days when when people uh, in Endicott took a, a real sense of pride because of Johnny Hart being part of the scene, and he really. He really, uh, as as BC became more and more successful, he, he also really showed that he still loved and cared so much about this community, about Endicott, about Broome County. Oh yeah, he's um, he's uh, we, we're all born and raised natives. Um, he uh, he he was a very community oriented person. And, and in his work, I think, I think he took great pride in, in doing, um, in, in giving back. He, he spent a lot of his time doing, uh, local events. He just loved being a part of those things. And, and I remember growing up, um, I, I didn't know if I'd ever, uh, be a, a cartoonist or take on the strip. It's kind of funny that, that Mick and I have. <laughs> but I remember, uh, that, that was one of the favorite parts of my childhood. It was things like the BC Open, um, yeah. seeing the, uh, the, uh, the 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 city buses with yeah the BC the Transit yeah. logo. I mean, everywhere you you looked, BC Broome County Parks with oh, yes. with the logos and and so much with um, even charitable groups for a time. The hockey team, the BC yeah. Icemen. Yep. I mean, <laughs> he he really allowed the community to to embrace these characters and and I I think those of us who I. I only met him a few times and you know had the pleasure of, of, of being over I think to his home once way back when I was young so that was decades ago um, but but still I, I got the sense of how much he loved the community and he loved being able to do this because because he truly did have a very special gift it's what I love um, the most is like whenever I meet someone who knew him i feel like uh there's always a story of something that he did they're like oh mick you know i knew your grandpa and he he gave he did this for our you know for our charitable event and uh, uh there's always a story of like not just that they knew him but what he did for them because he was so like generous mick and mason mastriani uh, speaking back in 2017 here on wnbf about johnny hart Along with BC and the Wizard of Id. Good memories. Thank you for uh, joining us as we walk back through time. I'm Bob Joseph, back tomorrow here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.